and welcome to episode 19 of the Diz Explorers podcast. Each week, we here at the Diz Explorers explore all things Disney, including parks, resorts, cruises, movies, and entertainment. We have some really great stuff lined up to discuss tonight, but first, let's introduce our troupe. We have Milford. Hello. RJ. Hello, everyone. Jessica. Hi, everybody. Crystal. Hey, you all. And I'm Adrienne. We are missing Melanie tonight. She is preparing for a land-sea vacation that I can't wait to hear all about because I've never done that before. But in her stead, we will be trooping right along. First thing we're going to do is talk with Crystal about all of this insane running she's been doing. If y'all have been following her on Twitter at all, she has some tips for us on the Run Disney events. Yeah, so I'm currently training for the WDW Marathon. That's on January 8th. But I most recently participated in the Castaway 5K race um, on our four-day cruise. So it's the fourth time that I've completed that 5K run. um, And every time it's been the same course. This time I participated with my mother-in-law. It was a great race. It's uh, super hot. Fueled for that race by uh, eating a ton at Remy the night before and drinking a lot of wine. (laughs) (laughs) The best strategy to hit a personal best, you know, just drink a ton of wine. Uh, But overall, the race was really good. Um, I had an awesome time and um, had one of my best times on the the island for that 5K race. So not my fastest overall, but the fastest on the island. And I'm I'm happy to say I was the first female finisher. So pretty pumped about that. (laughs) Oh, nice. Yeah, thanks. But you don't get anything. So you get it. Everyone gets like a rubber, a rubber medal and a little bit of pride. Um, but outside of that, that's, that's all you walk away with. So it is a great race. And in order to register for the event, you just go to guest services and they'll give you an excursion style ticket or you can sign up the day of the race. So if you head down to Evolution, which is on deck four, between about 8 and 8.15, you can go ahead and get registered there. You just sign a waiver and you get a bib number. So it's very casual. You can sign up the day of the race. That's what I've done the last three times. It's just easier to do that. Check your navigator just to verify that it's between 8 a.m. and 8.15. And then the group that heads out to do the 5K, they're the first on the island. So you get some pretty awesome pictures of the island as you walk up to the starting line, which is pretty cool. And then as you head out, um, just make sure, again, you have your ID and your stateroom key because you are going onto the island. So um, at that point, you have to be able to enter back onto the boat, and you're going to have to have your stateroom key to do so. And there is no charge to participate in the Castaway 5K, but it is still an awesome time to go in, you know, wear your fun outfit. Um, I would recommend wearing something cool because it is very hot, um, especially if you're starting around 9 o'clock to do a run. Normally, I'm starting at five or six in the morning just to, to keep cool, especially in the Florida heat. And there it was very hot. Even with training in Florida, uh, the humidity was pretty killer. So I would wear something a little bit more lightweight for the race. But again, it is very casual. I don't know. Have you any of you guys ever done the 5K before? I've never run anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, me neither. Run. I thought you said rum, right? Um, <laughs> well, that I'll run for. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's really casual. There's various fitness levels. This race is a great one to do as a family. Like we saw a lot of people who, you know, where they're running it with their teenage kids and they were all supporting each other. They had matching t-shirts. In addition to that, if you're just looking to, you know, 
put something on the calendar to work for. Even if you're a walker, you can go in and walk the entire 5K. Very casual. It's a no stress race, great family run. And then, you know, really Disney does an awesome job. They have two cast members that really manage this. It's usually about 40 to 50 people that participate, maybe more depending on how many people on the cruise ship are runners. So it's, it, it is limited crowds. The group spreads out pretty quickly. You can kind of run in pockets of people, but you're not weaving back and forth like you do in some of the run Disney events that are held here in Orlando. Those crowds get pretty hefty where this is, it, it spreads out very quickly and you don't have to worry about tripping over other people throughout the race. A few things to mention though, you do have to be 10 years or older to run the race and they do not allow strollers. So I know the first time or two I tried to to take my son in a stroller and they, they wouldn't even let me push him in the stroller, even though the crowd's not bad. So Hmm. just kind of know that, that you either need to have them at the nursery, or if you have a child who's under 10, they do stop at Scuttles Cove on the Island and they'll allow you to drop the kiddos there too, which is really nice. And there was quite a few people, I would say about 50% of the group dropped their children at Scuttles Cove on the way in. Hmm. But the two Disney cast members that are there, you know, they get y'all checked in and then they go over the entire process of, you know, what the course looks like, walking you down to the starting line. And RJ, you would have loved it. They told all of these pirate jokes. It was, <laughs> it was pretty incredible towards the end. They had some time to kill. And everyone was like, oh, God, these jokes. And I was loving, I was loving these jokes. I, I just have to give you, I just, I got to tell you one of them. So yeah, he was definitely. like, so what letter of the alphabet is the, is a pirate's favorite letter? I don't know which letter. Come on, R. You, you, really? <laughs> this, is you. this is all you. Come on. I was going to say the C. Oh, damn. Because love of the C. <laughs> you know the joke. Damn. So everyone was like, R. And they're like, nope, his first love will always be the C. And I was like, this is incredible. I was having the best time. So super cheesy jokes. However, totally hit the spot for me. I was loving it. So from there, you just walk down to the starting line. And it is quite a bit of a walk. So if you're somebody who is only trained to walk a 5K, it's about a mile walk to the starting line from the boat. And they they kind of push you away from taking the trams to the front. You, you can jump on the tram, but they really, they're like, you know, let's warm up your legs, get you to the starting line. So it's a very long walk up there. And then once you do get to the starting line, there are restrooms up there. So if you need to take a break, as well as a treasure chest to store your belongings in. So if you want to go straight to the beach and drop a bag or even like a wallet or something, they do have a treasure chest that they'll stand there and watch all of your stuff for you. In addition to that, this, again, very casual. There is no chip timing. So most Disney races, you have a chip um, on your bib number that, or on your foot. And as you cross each mile marker, it will text your family and let you know where you're at in the race. And then when you get done, you can see exactly what your pace is and your time. None of that. <laughs> you get to the starting line, and it is so super casual. You just have the Disney cast member who's three, two, one, and they hit the, the, the timer clock, and that's it. Um, they do have a clock that runs, but outside of that, it's just you and your stopwatch, or you just kind of jot your time down as you finish. So no one's tracking it for you. There's no connection to your bib number at all. And, you know, even when they gave me the bib number, they didn't even have me write my name down to associate it with me. So it's more of just saying, hey, we know we have 50 people out in the, in, in the course. We just need to make sure all 50 people come back. They do have cups of water at the start and the finish. It's both in the same spot. 
So there are multiple stops um, to get water along the course. Um, four in particular, as you kind of loop around, you'll hit the same water station. So there is a Disney cast member there that mans that water station for everyone as they go by. But overall, when you hit the course, they just do the countdown with the start clock. Um, you will go up the path to the bike path and follow that counterclockwise into the loop and go flip out of there, head down the landing strip, and then just do a hairpin turn to come back to the loop. And that right where you hit the bottom of the loop is where the water station is set up. So you go back into the loop counterclockwise again. And really, there's red plates all over that are permanent to tell you where to go and indicate which way the route's headed. It's pretty straightforward, but I did see a few people that were heading down some side pathways um, just getting lost throughout the run. Uh, but for the most part, it just goes through that first loop down the down the runway, a hairpin turn, back into the loop counterclockwise, and then back to the start. So it's a really quick a quick race. It's paved and flat, so you don't have to worry about terrain at all. I think really the toughest part to dodge is sometimes there are bikers throughout the path. So there's trams coming down the landing strip to take people to the adult beach as well as the bikers. So you just kind of have to watch those corners for everyone. Um, but overall, it's a, a quick 3.1 miles and really surviving the heat because as you run down that landing strip, it gets hot. There is no shade. Um, and you, But you do get the crowd right there where you can kind of see everybody and high five and there's a lot of camaraderie um, as you're doing the race there and hit that last water station before you head off to the finish. So um, they call that uh, second loop that you go through counterclockwise the, the loop of doom. So depending <laughs> on how you're feeling, sometimes it can be the worst loop ever with the heat. Um, <laughs> but overall, it was a great race. The biggest thing is coming to the finish. So it's very, again, very casual. You have a cast member there with the, the medals, and there's a few people, mainly family members, kind of cheering everyone on. But when you cross the finish line, they hand you the medal, you kind of do mini celebration, and then there's a water station set up there. So uh, it's not like Run Disney where it's photographers everywhere, there's characters. As you finish, you get a goodie bag with a bunch of snacks in it. This is much more low-key. They do have some merchandise that you can purchase at by the Shore store, which is right at the finish line, and that has T-shirts and some hats. But there is no free T-shirt at this. So if you are driven by medals and T-shirts, you will only get a rubber medal on this one. No free T-shirt. So that is like my driving force with everything is getting <laughs> something for free. But in this one in particular, you do get a rubber medal and they have changed the medal annually. So the first time I did the race, it was a plastic Mickey with stickers on it. And that was the first medal I'd ever gotten. And all of them said winner. So you felt pretty cool walking to the ship because they're like, look, it's a winner. And you're like, I finished like dead in the middle of the pack so you could have been last and you're like you posted to facebook and they're like she won the race <laughs> your facebook friends have no idea that you didn't win that you came in last <laughs> well, that's okay because the first time i did it we got a certificate oh that's really funny. certificate that's... suitable for framing so they have evolved that's awesome but yeah. even if you choose to walk the entire thing or you get halfway through and the heat is just too much for you and you choose to turn and just head back to the finish line everyone gets the medal. So if you decide to do it, you do get to take away the swag on this one. So that's why it's such a great race for the fam, you know, the whole family to participate in. Or if you're not even necessarily a runner, it's so casual that, you know, the expectation isn't, you know, you haven't gone in and spent, you know, $180 like some of the other run Disney events. This is free as part of the cruise vacation. So it's much more low-key than some of the other races. And then when you walk away, you can eat whatever you want the entire time. 
because you burned off all those calories. So it's, it's pretty incredible. And that's, I was gonna say, that's pretty much my only motivation for exercise <laughs> ever <laughs> to eat more. So and the first thing that we did is we had to go hydrate afterwards. So we went and got comp coolers. So <laughs> that comp was our first coolers. stop. Yes, we, nice. my mother-in-law went. We we went and got a nice conch cooler to cool down, and then she had to had the first aid because she had some blisters. So they do have a first aid on station that's permanent there on the island, and they hooked her up and cleaned off her blisters and gave us some clean band aids and stuff to help her out to get through the race. But overall, super fun race, very casual. I would recommend it to you know an avid runner or somebody who's just running their first five k. This is this is for anybody. Um, it's not an intimidating race. And you can go down there and you can have a really great time. A way to really take it to the next level is on January 11th of 2017, right after the Walt Disney World Marathon weekend, you can actually jump on a four-night Disney cruise from January 9th to the 13th and do the Castaway Challenge. So this one is produced by Run Disney. So they'll have course entertainment with music along the course. It's still a 5K, but you'll have the characters there with the photographers. And you actually get like a hardcore medal for this one. So that's a unique event that they only do once a year. And then you can get a special a commemorative castaway challenge medal if you do a run Disney event at the WDW Marathon Weekend, as well as this event, you get an additional medal. So space is limited on that. They also have special merchandise during that weekend of doing the event. So if you want to take it to the next level, you can do the marathon weekend and then jump on a cruise, get a massage, have a good time and do the castaway challenge and get another uh, another medal on there, too. So that's my quick summary of the Castaway 5K. I would recommend it to everyone. Tons of fun. Run Disney does great events. So again, this one's a top-notch event as well, and it's really for anybody that's over 10 years old. You can go in and just have an awesome time. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Crystal. Yeah, no problem. Cool. So after talking about all of that exercising, it makes me hungry, and thankfully... RJ just had a trip to Walt Disney World during Food and Wine. So let's hear all about that. Okay. <laughs> We're in Hang for on it. on to your hats and glasses. And your Mickey for ears. For this one. And your Mickey ears, yes. All right. I promise not to go <laughs> at nauseum with stuff. I kept notes uh, every day just of, like, the highlights and stuff like that. And we did a – first of all, I'll start by saying it was just my wife and, and I. We, we left the kids at home, so – this was a very much an adult trip to the point where we did things that we wouldn't be able to do with our kids until they get older. Tours, extreme late nights, and so on and so forth. So we got in Sunday about lunchtime into Magic Kingdom. And tradition for us is even when we're with everybody, I gotta the castle's got to be that first thing I see when we get on property after Magic Express and our room was ready. So we dumped our bags in, in the hotel and freshened up quick and then we were right to the park and usually we're always hungry when we get there because we had an early morning flight and casey's is our go-to place so we head to casey's for lunch and this is where our first magical moment happened so we get in there and we order our food so i ordered a whatever hot dog it has the pulled pork and the coleslaw on it and the meal and now they have they used to just sell the corn dog nuggets separately and you had to buy the fries now they have it as a meal so my wife ordered that so on the menu everything's numbered like you know the hot dog meal is number one so on and so forth like mcdonald's so the one my wife wanted was number four the girl thought she said she wanted four of the corn nugget meals 
So when she read, so, so she said the price back to us, and it was like fifty dollars or some ridiculous amount. I was like for two meals, and the girl's like, "Yeah, you said you wanted four corn nugget meals." And so my wife's like, "No, no, no, I just want one of the number four. Oh, okay, no problem. So she corrected it. We paid the right amount. She goes out to get a table. I go to wait for the food. Dude hands me two trays with four corn nugget meals on them, and then my giant hot dog. So I said to him, I was like, "No, no, no, we were only only supposed to get one." The girl corrected it. I only paid for the two. He's like, I'm sorry. He's like, I, he's like, once it crosses out of the kitchen, I can't take it back. He said, so <laughs> happy bonus on Disney. I was like, I was like, what the hell am I going to do with all this food? So brought it out to our table, like stacked trays. And I was like, I, this is insane. Explained the whole thing to my wife. And, I, you know, people are funny. I don't want to, you know, it was like, I, I don't want to throw all this out, even though we got it for free. So, but, you know, are people going to take food from you? So long story short, table next to us, the kids took. Uh, we asked the father. He took a couple of the fries, and we ate stuff, and ended up bringing two whole corn dug- corn nugget things back to the room, and they sat in the fridge for the rest of the trip because <laughs> we just never ate them. <laughs> uh, so that was like the first. That's that was the beginning of the trip already with you know magical moment like that. We had that was Sunday, so we had the Halloween party that night. So we went back and rested for a little bit because we knew we were gonna be out late. Came back pretty right about seven maybe a little after when the party started and we decided we were going to do the later parade and fireworks they only shoot off once we were going to catch the fireworks and hopefully one of the sanderson sister shows and then the late parade which was at eleven fifteen. we wanted to go and see some of the different characters that we've never gone and done when we've been there with the kids so that we ended up only getting to do two just because of timing. So we got Jafar and we got Jack Sparrow, which in lines for both were not that bad at all. Jack Sparrow was a lot of fun. He was up on the stage where they used to do the pirate show and, uh, you know, him and I, you know, joked about, you know, rum and stuff. And he was, he had an awesome answer back to me because I asked him, he said, you know, he saw my tattoos. He's like, oh, I see you're a pirate yourself. He said, but you don't look much like one or something like that. I said, well, I'm disguising myself. I said, because I'm actually on the hunt for rum. So he turns to me and he says, he says, you're in the wrong place, mate. He said, this is what they call a dry port. He said, you're going to have to look elsewhere. (laughs) And I just thought it was the funniest thing in the world because number one, it's true because it's a magic kingdom, but his delivery was like, it was, it was really cool. It was really, really cool. So that, that geeked me out. And we wandered around the other side, and we were going to try it for the Seven Dwarfs and a couple over there. But the lines were really, really, really long, so we decided against that. So we headed out to go stake our spot for the Celebrate the Magic and then the Hocus Pocus show and Parade Fireworks. At this point, it started, there was a lot of heavy lightning, thunder. They kept putting the delay announcements on. People kept getting up. Every crack of lightning and thunder was louder than the next, and the park started emptying out. They kept delaying stuff. Then it started raining, and it came down in flipping sheets. So we had ponchos with us because I brought them from home because I'm insane. And we have a ton of them. So we hid under the people mover over by the Tomorrowland Terrace area and just we're just going to kind of wait it out and see what happened. It probably rained for close to an hour maybe, and we started to, we were going to pack it in. We were thinking about maybe going on a ride. We were going to do the people mover because it was right there, but then they had stopped that because of all the lightning. So we started kind of making our way out. The rain was subsiding at this point, so we went up and stood up in the train station and just kind of hung out there just to see what happens. 
and it was probably I think the actual time was about a 75 minute delay we saw that they started doing the Sanderson sister the Hocus Pocus show they started doing it so we couldn't see really well from the train station I wasn't running down Main Street to watch it so they did that and then by that time the rain had gone all complete and then you could the lightning was off in the distance but it was still on so they ended up running everything but on an hour and a half hour and a half delay pretty much so they did that show. They did celebrate the magic with the special Halloween thing in the middle of it. And then they did Hollow Wishes first, which I guess they do that anyway. So they did Hollow Wishes, and then they ran the parade. The parade didn't step off until after midnight. It had to be quarter after 12 before the parade probably started in Frontierland by the time it got around to us. We didn't leave the park till 1 o'clock, so they held wow. the park open a whole hour so they can get everything in. Yeah, no, I mean, it was pretty awesome. And then we came to find out later on that to avoid giving refunds and having... Because I guess yeah. one party already got canceled this year earlier because of the rain and the, maybe... I it think was it the was the one right after hours. It might have been, but I had heard in Disney's eyes, if they get three of the the big entertainment things, so parade, show, one parade, at least one stage show, and the fireworks off, it's a complete night. Even if after that fireworks they have to shut it down because of weather, it's a complete night. You've gotten your money's worth. That's it. You know, no, no ifs, ands, or buts. You're not getting any refund. So they do whatever they can to get it all done. Number one, they don't want to give refunds. Number two, the other thing is, I guess they would vouch you for another night. But how many people are there? You know, what if it's your last night? What if you were only had allotted for that time? So they, they really try to make sure you get what you went there for. In, in in your schedule so that was pretty cool so so that was a long day so the next day was monday we had signed up for the keys to the kingdom tour which is it's about a five and a half six hour walking tour of the magic kingdom both on stage you know out and about and then behind stage and in the utilidors it's 16 or 18 and i think it's 16 and older Price wasn't bad. I want to say if I off the top of my head it was like 79 or 80 bucks a person, but there is DVC and annual pass discounts, I think of 10%. So it includes lunch. It used to be lunch at Columbia Harbor House because that's I remember when my parents did it years ago, that's what they said it was. And I when I booked it, that's what the agent on the phone told me. It was it includes lunch at Columbia Harbor House. All right, fine. That's that's cool. They must have just retooled it or changed it around because the lunch was actually at Tomorrowland Terrace. So what they do is when you when you check in, they give you the menu and you pick what what you're going to want to eat. And they everybody gets a headset that goes on your ear and you carry it around in your around your neck and it's got a special like pass on it. So when you're behind stage, if you get separated from your group, they know that you're part of a tour and that they'll find where your guide is instead of just booting you out. So I'm not going to go into great details about it because I think as a Disney fan, it's something that everybody should do. You know, those who have kids, you know, wait until they're old enough to do it with you or leave them at... I know Adrian, I'd listened to the uh, episode last week and you said you had left your kids at the mm -hmm. Animal Kingdom Lodge Kids Club and... I'm glad to hear that that was good. We we had never done that with our kids. We used that private service that Disney mm -hmm. recommends called Kids Night Out, where they come to your hotel room. 
we've used that before for our kids, and that was amazing and, and fantastic as well. The amount of information that, that this girl fed to us, both while we were in sight of everybody on stage, as they call it, and behind the scenes, was fantastic. I mean, it was... They don't allow pictures when you're behind the scenes for obvious reasons. When we were... Most of it is on Main Street. They go over a lot of the windows and they tell stories about so on and so forth. And there's a whole point to it. We got to ride two attractions with her. First was the Jungle Cruise where they don't do the whole spiel. She tells about certain parts of the ride and other things because you're in an area where everybody can't hear you. So they let you in some secrets and stuff like that. So that was really cool. And then we ride the Haunted Mansion with her and where they they tell you how, how they do the... The dancing ghost scene and what what the trick is behind that, and I'm not going to say it on here. It's basically a parlor trick from, like, the late 1800s. So it's nothing extravagant. It really, really isn't. And and honestly, I knew what the name of it was, I but I didn't really know how it was done. So even when they explained it to me and we went on the ride, I still couldn't, like, put two in. I was like, I still can't see how it... <laughs> How it, I get how it's done, but I can't. I just couldn't. It doesn't seem that way when you're watching it. Like it, it didn't ruin, didn't ruin the magic for me. It was pretty cool. And there was other tidbits and stuff and hidden Mickey things that they told about. We went where they take you behind stage is where the parade comes out uh, over by Splash Mountain, where that big giant gate is. So you walk back there, and they show you where they, the big warehouse where the where the parades are stored. So the first one was like an outdoor big tented area and that had where the Butiyu, the seasonal parade floats were out there and she explained about some of those and the different things about them. And then inside the building is where the Main Street Electrical Parade was stored. And that was just like, it was like, you know, ah, because, I mean, none of it was lit up, but everything's in there. It's all in order of how they pull it out. They showed us inside one of the little lightning bugs, the little snails that spin around where the guy sits and how he controls it and so on and so forth and explained about how the, how they get how these drivers get certified to to operate the equipment and how many hours they need to man the floats and so on and so forth and the only thing I'll say about it is is every float is driven by a driver there's no nothing under the pavement that guides the parade there's no magnetic things like the people mover there's no guides there's no anything <clears throat> like that it's all there's people in every single one of them, which I did not think. I, for the longest time, I thought there was some sort of stuff under Main Street that helped those helped those floats stay in line and, and knew when the timing was and so on and so forth. So that's all done, all done by by people, <laughs> real people. So and then the other funny thing about the parade, I'll say is, and then that's that's all I'll divulge about that is there's a there's a line, a yellow line. That's called the sight line. And it's basically the line between where people can see you coming out. Like when the parade starts, there's a yellow line. As soon as you step over that yellow line, you're on stage. If, if somebody's like right near that gate, they can see. They can. That's where the first time they can see you. So as soon as you step over that line, you have to be doing your routine. Your lights have to be on. You know, for Festival of Fantasy, you have to be doing your dancing. And so what the girl, our guide was telling us she likes to come on her lunch break if it's a later lunch break at the end of festival of fantasy and and for when the parade ends on main street because then there's that same line once you step over that line you're not in the sight of anybody no matter where they are on that parade route and she said it's just hysterical to see because everybody's hot she's contrary to popular belief 
there is no air cooling systems in any of those costumes. So those those there's nothing. They are sweating it out from the beginning to the end. She said princesses yeah. are ripping dresses off. There's heads that are flying. It's just it's like a <laughs> and she said and it's the funniest thing in the world because these people are, you know, losing pounds along the parade route every day. So, long story short, it's it's definitely worth the money. It's worth the time. It was probably close to three o'clock before we were done. It ran get about a half hour for lunch, and then we went and finished finished out the tour and went through some more back scenes. Then you go down under the into the utilidors, and I guess from what she said, the older tour, you're only down there for about twenty five minutes. We were down there for probably close to an hour, and that's where the, the tour ends down there. And then you you come back up near Tony's Town Square restaurant behind the hat shop in that area where they have the where they opened up the exit now when the park is busy and, and they send people on that backstage exit area. That That's where they brought us out, near the confectionery. Utilidors are very cool. It's very, very cool. Uh, but it's behind the scenes. You know, it's not it's not decked out like up above. But it's very, very cool to see how everything operates and the logistics of it because I, I love that stuff besides just knowing that you're walking underneath everything, you know. So we walked underneath the castle and... She pointed out, you know, different areas, and, and that was really cool. Nothing else, but then later that night, we went back to the room, and then it was another really bad storm, and we were kind of just stuck in the room. I mean, it was nasty out there. And we stayed in the room till later in the evening. It was probably about 8 o'clock. It led up. We we headed out and went down to uh, Disney Springs to check it out. It had no reservations for anywhere, so we weren't intent on eating at any of the big-name restaurants. We checked out a few menus and... Ended up eating at Blaze Pizza, which is fantastic. Oh, my. The closest one to me now is like 40 miles away, and I'm looking for an excuse to head up to that area of Connecticut because that's that was some good pizza for the price. Man, really, really good. And, you know, Disney Springs was cool. There was a lot of, I mean, it was raining, kind of still drizzling. It was dead. There was nobody there. We didn't check out everything, but we, we kind of walked around, and I, I like the feel of it. It's probably a pretty cool place to hang out when it's not, raining and 10:30 at night. So I don't really have much to report on Disney Springs other than that, you know, walked in a few shops and kind of went from one end to the other and ate and then and then got out of there. The next day, let's see, we went next day was was Epcot day. So we hit the park right when it opened. I had fast passes for Frozen. I believe I just did Frozen and like Spaceship Earth. I don't think I ever made a third one because I knew there was nothing else I was really needed a fast pass for, especially being there without the kids. So we hit Soren right when we got there in the morning. No, I must have did it. No, because you can't you can't pick two because of the stupid tier right. system. So you can either pick Soren, Frozen, or Test Track. You can't do all three, which is mm-hmm. annoying. <laughs> you know how I feel about topic. that. <laughs> yep. So we hit Soren right away when the park opened. It was maybe 10, 15 minutes, pretty much a walk-on. So we got off and got right back in line, and it was only about a 20-minute wait. So we did it again. I have to say I was very impressed. I really, really enjoyed it. I really, really did. I loved the first one, and this one, I, it's right on par with it. I don't know that it's better. The places that they went were cool. I, I disagreed with all the negative stuff that I'd heard about it beforehand, which I fault myself on on reading and listening to. I don't know that any of... I think some of it might have been CGI stuff, whatever. I, I don't, you know, that didn't bother me. The ending, 
I, I mean, I'm not going to give it. I don't know. Has has everybody seen it? Has everybody seen a video of it? I don't want to give it away if nobody has seen it. I know Milford's heading down there soon, and the ending to me is better than the first ending. Like the payoff at the end, like I got all choked up, and it, it was uh, it was a very moving moment, as they say in Muppets. So soaring over around the world was awesome. So we hit hit a bunch of other stuff. Hit did uh, Ellen's Energy Adventure kind of like as a farewell because I'm pretty sure the next time I go it probably won't be <laughs> open. And then we hit. And we started over to Food and Wine. Went over to the Festival Center while we were still in Future World. I haven't been in there in years and tooled around in there. Tried some wine. My wife got a bunch of chocolate stuff from the Ghirardelli area. And I just kind of reminisced about what once was in there instead of all the stuff that was in there. (laughs) I'm not going to go over everything we ate at at Food and Wine. Maybe I'll do a separate little mini-sode on that because I I could probably fill up an hour on all that. Let's just say I did some damage. <laughs> I can take I can take some pictures of my little book and post them out on the uh, on the website. There's a lot of check marks and a lot of now they do stickers instead of the stamp, which I guess they got. I guess stamping it might have held up the line. I don't know, but so now you, when you go to each booth, there's in the middle of the book there's a page of stickers that represent every booth and country, and so you place the sticker in the little box and then you check off what you had i'll just a few highlights and and newer booths they had one from the islands of the caribbean which had puerto rico three different islands all together that was by far our favorite one i think we hit that one two or three times just really really good stuff really really good stuff i we i didn't hit every booth but like i said i did some damage it and so then we ended up doing we hit frozen i think our fast pass was like 5 30 6 o'clock or something like that Got in the fast pass line and it was still like twenty minute wait with the fast pass line. It was it was crowded. I mean the inside was packed. Nobody was waiting outside in the standby, so I, I didn't catch how long that line was for. I was impressed. I, I liked it. I think they did a really, really good job on it. I, I really, really do. It was the anime the audio animatronics were fantastic. Everything was working perfectly, all the faces were lined up, there was no hitches, it didn't stop. I know they were having a lot of issues because they you know, they didn't have any soft opening or testing period. They just kind of, they got it online and they, you know, opened it up to the public. So I think they've probably finally got all the bugs worked out of it. It was really, really good. They did, I think they did a really, really good job. And, you know, the track is pretty much the exact same as it was for Maelstrom. So for those of us who rode Maelstrom a ton of times and kind of know it, you know, it was fun to see like what was in the place of, the you know, you're going up the hill where the eye used to point at you. And, well, we only read it once, so, wrote it once, so I don't know it by heart. But it, it was cool how they changed it and how they kept the same effects on it. And you know, and where they send you back down the hill where the trolls used to be, and then you know where the big oil rig was and the and the and the polar bear. So it's and it's it's got all the characters. They're all in there. The trolls, marshmallow, the big you know snow monster. Anna and Elsa a couple times, Kristoff and and Sven, and and they're all the, the animatronics are stunning. It's ridiculous how far they've come with those things. Even between when they opened Under the Sea, and and everybody was losing their minds over the Ariel animatronics, which I thought were were fantastic. These ones are even better than than those ones of Ariel and in, in there. They're they're really just look like people. So. So that was pretty awesome, and ended the night with Illuminations, which is my favorite show. 
Wednesday was pretty much a non-park day for most of the day. We hit breakfast at Kona, and I did the Trader Sam's event, which was part of the food and wine thing, which was a two-hour behind-the-scenes at Trader Sam's, which I wish I read more about because I stuffed my face at Kona with the big kahuna and walked out of there all fat-bellied and happy. (laughs) And we had, like, 10 o'clock reservations, so walked into the Trader Sam's event at noon, and lo and behold... They were having food pairings with all the drinks. <laughs> so we got five cocktails in two hours. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my. Yes. The first one was like a little, was like a shot, pretty much. I, I'll put, I, I know I posted menus with Bay Lake Society group on Facebook. I put some pictures of all of them because a lot of those people were, lo- were, were all bummed out because they couldn't get into the couldn't get into the event because the tickets were sold out. So I'll, I'll put some on our thing too. I have, they let you take home the menu. You've got recipe cards for all five drinks with the ingredients and the brands that they used. And it was really, really cool. It was such a cool event. I, I ended up sitting at a table with four other people. I couldn't have found four other people like me if I tried. It was just like, there was two people there. I sat down with them and then another mother and son came and sat with us. And it was, we had a great time. It was needless to say we were the loudest table, and the servers really enjoyed that. They kept they visited us, visited us often at our table. So basically, what they did was they went over every drink, how they make it, their little story behind it. They would have the effects going for what the drinks were, and then you you had the drink. The chef came out for each what each little small plate item and explained how he made it and what it was. And so we would eat the small plate and then they would come around and how did you like it? So it was very interactive and it was, it was awesome. It was really, really well done for the hundred dollars that it was. You definitely got your money's worth. And I did post pictures on Twitter and everything. Everybody did. They had that new haunted mansion tiki mug that came out in Disneyland. They had them there but only for the event and only to drink out of. So everybody was, I think that was the only time I saw everybody with a phone in their hand, taking pictures of that and putting it all over social media. They were very hush-hush on when the release date in Disney World is because I guess what happened in Disneyland, and I don't know, Jessica, if you've been since these these have been released out there. They no, made, I haven't been since they've been released. But it was, it, it was basically a cluster F because what happened was they released it on social media on the parks blog when they were coming out, like two weeks before they were coming out. So everybody and their mother showed up to get these things and they were sold out within the first day and have had problems restocking, I guess, because it became so popular. And then, of course, you get the flippers who buy them and put them on eBay for 80 times the amount and those annoying people. So what, so what we were told was for Disney World, they are getting them sometime in October, but they are not even going to tell the skippers and the staff at Trader Sam's when they are getting them. Their upper management will know when they show up that morning, they will say, okay, now you can you can release these and you can put them out for sale with the drinks. So nobody will, So they don't want to make the same mistake. They don't want people lining up for hours. They don't want all of them sold out in the first day. So it's going to be pretty much... You know, when you show up there, it may be they may have them for sale that day. So, Milford, maybe you'll get lucky when you're down there and you'll be able to purchase one. They are yeah, really, maybe they are huge. They're tall, and it's not your typical glass. It's not just open on the bottom on the top to drink from. You pretty much need a straw because it's just the back has like a cutout 
so you can't like drink from it like a regular glass you pretty much need a straw to drink your drink out of which i don't drink drinks with a straw so that was whatever call it a downfall if you want it's not the end of the world it's still a a a kick-ass mug i mean it was really really cool to have a drink out of that mug so after that we headed over to the studios for the rest of the day because we hadn't made some fast passes on the fly did for toy story and star tours and I think for the Little Mermaid show, which I ended up canceling out of because we ended up hanging out at the launch bay and stuff for a while, which was a lot of fun. Went and traded with the Jawas and got a same-day reservation for looking for something to eat. We were looking for sci-fi that was taken, so we ended up going to 50s Primetime, which I like. I really like that restaurant. I like the food and stuff. We had a great waiter who, even though we were two adults, completely played along with the whole thing. We had a lot of fun with him. He was great. He was a lot of fun. He busted my chops and about stuff, and just it was a really, really good time. And then we hung around for the Star Wars fireworks, which were absolutely fantastic. I never saw the first version of it, which everybody said was was better because it was more fireworks and less projections and special effects. I don't see how you can't like this one. I mean, yes, there was not as many fireworks as a typical Disney fireworks show, but the special effects were insane. It's it's a hundred. It's a it's a one hundred and eighty degree show. There's stuff going on to the left to the as far as you can turn your head. There was stuff going on. There was during the simulated air flight battles between the Tie Fighters and the X Wings. There's lasers shooting from everywhere. There's fireworks. There's flames coming out from on stage. It's it's insane. It is insane. It is very, very well done. Very well done. So that was really great. So that was Wednesday. Thursday was Animal Kingdom Day. We had also signed up for another tour. <laughs> we did the the Wild Africa Trek, which, which is basically a behind-the-scenes of the safari. So those of you who have been on the safari, and they, you can see when you're coming around one of the corners, they have these, these two suspension bridges. You get to go across those, so you're you're in this you're in this big harness that they get you all suited up in, and everything's lanyarded together. You got to take your wallet and your your magic bands off and your pin, anything that that can drop. They want you to take everything off. If you want to bring a phone with you, they put a lanyard on it. It's clipped on. Two tour guides that take you out behind the safari. It's pretty much a behind the scenes of the safari. You start out over in the hippo pond area behind that one of the trainers comes out and the vets and they feed the hippos they talk about the hippos and you get to kind of lean out over the ledge while you're lanyarding lanyard in and and watch them interact and stuff you walk through the bird area and they explain stuff about the birds and the birds nests and certain things that you just that it's not on the regular thing it's you know it's very informative it's very very cool and then you go on these these suspension bridge things that are just ridiculous. I mean, they overlook where, unfortunately, the crocodiles aren't, or the alligators aren't there anymore. They've been completely removed from that attraction, but that's what you used to walk over. So you get to see them, I guess, in more of their natural habitat than where it was on the safari. I guess they were more active in that area. And then you end up, the final, like, hour of it is you're on the savanna in in one of the smaller trucks, and they take you on some of the paths that the regular safari goes on and then some other ones that it that they don't they get into more detail about the giraffes and the and the rhinos and the elephants and then if some of you have noticed there's that stand that's over in the savanna 
you end up eating lunch there, which is a lunch from Boma, mm. which was fantastic. It was like yogurt with granola and, you know, dried apricots and some cured meats and like a little flower that you were able to eat, like an edible flower. I forget what the name of it is. And I have pictures of all this. I'll make an album and put, up, pull, put it up on the website for everybody to, to check out and enjoy. Uh, just jam-packed. There was just so much stuff that they tell you about that. So that, that was about a three-hour tour, I believe. And then after that, we headed back over to... I didn't have any other Fast Pass. I did, but we canceled out of them. We were going to do a Lion King show. But we were going back later that night for the, the DVC party that was going on for the uh, 25th... Part of the 25th anniversary thing they are doing for the DVC. So Animal Kingdom was basically closed at 9 to the general public and from 9 to midnight it was DVC members only so they held open you know the major attractions Pizza Fari was the only thing open for food through the event they had special characters out that aren't usually out uh, they had Flick and Princess Ada with the stick bug Slim taking pictures they had Chippendale in their Rescue Ranger outfits for those who remember that from the Disney Afternoon uh, Tarzan and Jane I believe, and Turk, I think, was with them, and a few others. Uh, we didn't hit most of the characters. I think the all the late nights and early mornings were catching up to us because we lasted till about maybe 10.30, and then we were done. <laughs> but because, plus, we went, we went back over to Epcot because I wanted to try more stuff, and we got caught in a monsoon, and <clears throat> my wife had had an umbrella because she didn't like wearing the poncho, my poncho ripped. We were soaked to the bone, shoes, everything. So we ended up getting, going back to the hotel and trying to dry stuff off. So I think that kind of wore us out and screwed it up. So we didn't hang out for as long as we kind of wanted to at the Animal Kingdom at night. I mean, the park is beautiful at night. We watched a few of the the Awakening, the, the little show that they do, which I thought it was a one-time thing. But I guess they do it every 10 minutes. It's a new projection shows so there were people that were literally just standing in front of the tree of life all night long and watching different versions of the show different animals come out and it was that was really really cool it was really like serene to to see it and watch how they did the projection on the uh, tree of life and we did do a night safari which was pretty good it was really really cool the lighting effects they have on the uh, out there are, are well done uh we actually got to see the lions they were up walking around the male was laying down and two females were walking around they had some hyenas that are new that were kind of doing stuff so more of the nocturnal animals were out that you don't see as active during the day so that was really really cool so i recommend that because i know the park's going to be open late going forward anyway once they get the nighttime stuff and uh, avatar land opens up and so our final day was friday which is final day is always magic kingdom my last view has to be that castle when i'm walking out and it couldn't have been a better day I'd made some fast passes Thursday night <laughs> for for Friday morning and got like Space Mountain. I think I did Buzz and Pirates or something along that line. So we pretty much had the run of the run of the park. I mean, it was not busy at all, not busy at all. We went as soon as we we got there for it was an early morning. We got there at eight, walked over to Mine Train and maybe waited twenty minutes in the regular standby line. Which was great. I'd never seen the queue before since it's opened because I'd always fast passed it. So that was awesome. And I'll just run a list of what we did between 8 o'clock and we left there at about 4.30. So we did Space Mountain, the Mine Train, 
Ariel's Under the Sea, Peter Pan, Splash. I did Splash Mountain. My wife didn't want to. Uh, <laughs> we did Magic. We rode the train around like a time and a half. Did Pirates, Carousel of Progress, Buzz, Laugh Floor, Small World, and I think the People Mover maybe twice. And that, you know, and everything, I would make a fast pass for, like, the only fast pass I kept was Peter Pan, because I knew that that would be long. But, like, I made a fast pass for Small World. We used it, but I really didn't need to. I think I made Splash Mountain, which confused me. I think Disney does this on purpose. It said all the fast passes were sold out. I got in the standby line, and this was, like, late afternoon, like, 1 o'clock, one thirty, and I waited 20 minutes, because I, I timed it. So I, I don't know why they said fast passes were sold out. There was nobody in this park. It was also a party night, which I know sometimes kind of affects it. But so that's it in a nutshell. Uh, that's amazing amount of stuff <laughs> still to get done. Like I think you might have topped my trip from July. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's I mean, I didn't run through the list of everything. I mean, we did. We hit pretty much everything at Epcot as well. I think Mission Space was the only thing we didn't do, and <laughs> and Figment. You know, we went into the DVC member lounge and checked that out. That was that was pretty cool. You know, watched a couple, of, watched the Jammeters because I love them, and we we wanted to catch more live entertainment over in World Showcase. But by the time we kind of got going, the, most of that stuff kind of ends by five o'clock. So, yeah. so we didn't see as much as that because the kids never want to stand around and watch that stuff. But we wanted All to right. see we wanted to see the mariachi band and. And the kids like the funny stuff, so we'll watch uh, Sergio over in Italy, the the whistle guy, or the the guy in France with the chairs. Oh, the guy with the chairs. Yeah, yeah. you know that. My father always loved that stuff, so we always stopped and watched that. You know, when Italy used to have the the little comedy troupe, and Britain used to have one too before they had the bands going through. So, yeah, all in all, you know, fantastic trip. Never had a bad trip to Walt Disney World, but it's it puts a different perspective when you don't have your kids and you don't have to. You know, like I said, we made two dining reservations, you know, and one was on the fly same day. Like, it was like 4.30. I was like, where do you want to eat dinner? And we got a 6 o'clock reservation at at 50s prime time. So you, you can't ask for much more. We we had a great time. A great, great time. This will probably be the last time in a very long time It'll be that it'll be just my wife and I now that, the, you know, I'm not going to get away with leaving the kids home anymore after this. <laughs> I know. It's amazing how, like, so much of my love of Disney comes from showing it to my kids and sharing it with my children. But then when I get the chance to go just me and my husband, how much I love it just as much, you know, maybe that's just the insanity that's in me, but I love no because how you, you get yeah. that time to really explore. Oh, definitely. You know? uh, definitely. I mean, especially after doing the tour, I tell you, I'll tell you one last thing about it and then we'll, we'll move on. And so when we she walked us through the new tangled area where the bathrooms are and stuff, and I had no idea about this, and I had never heard anything about it. There are ten hidden Pascals in that area. Huh. Like him camouflaged as his surroundings. She showed us, and there's one, so there's technically eleven. There's ten that are camouflaged as the surrounding whatever he's on, and then there's one actual green Pascal. So she showed us him, and she showed us three other ones when we went back to Magic Kingdom that last day I could not find all of the ones that she showed us I remembered where two of them were and I found a different one that I remember her not showing us and I remembered where the actual Pascal was but I looked and looked and I couldn't find any of the other ones I mean I didn't spend 
tons to maybe 15, 20 minutes. Just, we just, you know, stopped and took a break and just wandered around. And I couldn't find, I took pictures of the ones that I found and I'll post them on the thing. But I never knew about that. And how long has that, that area been open? Three, four right. years? I had like no that. idea. No clue. And I don't think anybody else that was in our tour group had any idea either that it was there. So, how many people are typically in a tour group? This one had, and it wasn't even 20, I don't think, or maybe it was about 20. I would think in this one, I don't know what the limit is. I think it's whatever, I think that's probably manageable for one tour guide where right. everybody can hear. So, I, I, there was probably, probably 15, I, I, 15 to 18, I would believe, was in our group. And then for the Africa one, there was only eight. Yeah, because oh, wow. it was that one's expensive, though. I'm not gonna lie. That that I was about the, to ask. The Wild Africa one, I think, was close to two hundred per person, and that was yeah, that's what I thought it was. And that was after I think a discount, or that one offered no discounts. I don't think the Magic Kingdom one was definitely for what you get worth the price. And there's another one. There's a longer one. It's a, I think it's an eight hour tour that dives in deeper not so much into the utilidors and stuff it's just a lot more history and stuff about the parks which the girl recommended to me because i you know asked a lot of questions at the end about stuff <laughs> and then oh we did the behind the seeds tour too only because i hadn't done it and that is like 15 bucks with the discount it's like a 45 minute thing and that was it was cool to be behind you know walk through the greenhouse but it's like my wife had said, unless you're really into gardening and plants and vegetables and stuff, you kind of get lost with all of the uh, nomenclature, as Melanie likes to say, of what they were talking about. Like they get really into detail about stuff, but it's really cool to. It's really interesting how they they talk about how they with the different pest control with the insects versus pesticides and stuff like that, and they play a little game where they use sniff spices and see if you can guess what they are, and they let you feed the fish in the little fish area. So it's pretty cool. I th that you know, if you have time to kill, that that's worth it for forty five minutes. You know, if you're not like I said, we didn't have to run anywhere. We didn't have kids to worry about. So, and that was like we signed up that morning for like a two o'clock tour because I highly doubt that one ever sells out. <laughs> but so yeah, so really really awesome. So countdown to April begins to the next trip. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. I mean, I just got but, back, but I'm still so jealous listening yeah. to your story. <laughs> no, definitely. I mean, and listen, I can go on forever and ever about stuff, and I'm sure other details will will come to me as I remember. And like I said, maybe I'll do a maybe I'll do a little mini sode about little reviews of the food and wine stuff because I know not everybody's interested in that, but some of it was really really good. And and the the, the most disappointing food was from the America Pavilion. I'll say that right away. So for any of those, any of those, anybody who's, who's going there after they hear this, whenever it's out and it's, it's, well, yeah. they didn't have the lobster rolls again. They had the lobster rolls, which I didn't try. I'm not a big, uh, seafood person, but the brisket was not very good. The brisket on garlic toast with whatever the heck the little sauce it was. The brisket was just terrible. I mean, I've, I've well, had, that's better, a I've had better homemade stuff, you know, and I know I don't know. It just maybe because it was the end of the night, it was late. But I don't know. Everything else I had was on point and like above and beyond. Yeah. So we didn't get there last year, but we went two years ago, and the brisket was awesome. Yeah. See, so, yeah, it just you know, it was kind of burntish. I could tell like it was left in the bottom of the it smoker knew. too long. Yeah, it just didn't do it for me. You know, I ended up throwing 
the rest of it out because I was like, I just don't want this taste in my mouth. And the beer that I got with it didn't do anything for me either, so I think it was just an epic fail all the way around. I think after that I went to <clears throat> to China and grabbed a beer and something else <laughs> just to <laughs> cleanse my palate. But, so, that was my trip in a nutshell, and, you know, on social media, anybody has any questions, I put a bunch of pictures out there and stuff like that, so give me a shout on the Twitter and everything else, and I'll be more than happy to discuss anything else in, in more detail that I can remember. <laughs> so, now that you've heard enough of me. Oh, hush. <laughs> All right, so finally tonight, we are going to go to our in-house royalty with Jessica and let her spotlight a post from her blog, Duchess of Disneyland. Thank you. I like that. I'm going to make my friends call me that. (laughs) You absolutely Um, should. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, a couple of days ago, I was thinking about how, you know, a a fact of life at any Disney park is the fact that you're in line for a lot of the time. And I was talking to some of my friends about it and we kind of were saying some, some lines are actually not too bad. They're almost part of the experience. So I thought what I would do is write a blog post about my favorite lines. Not that anyone likes being in line, but the ones that are the best if you have to be in a line. So I picked five, but for the sake of time, I'll just talk about three. So one that I I actually really like is Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin, which to the best of my knowledge is unique to Disneyland. I don't know of any other Disney park that has this one, but it's based on the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And what I like about this line is that you basically walk through downtown Toontown at night, which is kind of different for a queue. A lot of times they just have murals or um, little vignettes in the windows, but this is a full on you're walking through the city. So you walk by the club where Jessica Rabbit performs, you go by baby Herman's apartment and you kind of go through the, the lab where all the, the dip is and all that kind of stuff. So it's just, there's a lot of Easter eggs. And if you're like me and you really like the movie, it's just really exciting and fun to keep saying, Oh yeah, I forgot about this or noticing different details that they incorporated. Um, I think they did a really good job of making it. It's not interactive, but of making it engaging and interesting. So another one that I really like is Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. And I was actually surprised when I went to Disney World because the lines are quite different. The Disneyland line is entirely outside. And when you go into the actual queue area, it's kind of sunken and it's pretty enclosed by like a big garden and a town. So you walk through the town of Rainbow Ridge and you go past the mine and you see all the the storefronts and you kind of go under the tracks and then you come up into the loading area. So what I like about it is that it's really pretty because it's all gardens and the big water feature and everything. But I also like that it's so private. It's it's in smack in the middle of Frontierland, which in Disneyland is where Liberty Square is in Disney World. So it's it's right off the hub. It's very busy. But it's really actually quiet and isolated except for the sound of the train. So it's kind of amazing that you can be in the middle of the action and then still sort of be in a little bubble. So I think it's really cool. Um, And then the third one that I'll, I'll mention is Indiana Jones. And what I love about this line is that it's totally interactive. You can get these little decoder things because there's there's these symbols written on the walls and you can kind of figure out what messages they say there are little interactive gags like you can pull on a rope and then you hear the the guy attached to the rope scream and 
Um, every room kind of has like a different activity, basically, and all of the rooms are really elaborately decorated, and it's just really cool. And you kind of wander through the caves of the temple, and you hear bats, and you go in this old school projection room. And honestly, if the if the line for Indiana Jones says fifteen minutes, that means there's no line because it takes you fifteen minutes at least to walk to the starting area. It's one of the seriously, it's one of the most elaborate lines ever because. It actually walks you outside of the berm, which is where, where the train is, and off of the the standard like Disney bubble. So it's kind of amazing how far you have to travel. But they make it an enjoyable trip. So what I wanted to know from you guys is, do you have lines that you actually really like? Or am I the only person that's like, yeah, this was kind of fun. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny that you mentioned the differences between the Disneyland and Disney World Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Because that's the first line that came to my mind oh really I was thinking, yeah i love the one at disney world i think it's hilarious and it's interactive and i don't know it's it's definitely one of my favorites yeah and it it didn't always used to be that way it used to right just, right it generally was you just zigzagged forever underneath yeah. the thing after you walk up the little the little climb at the beginning but yeah they've added the they've added the story into it and you know you could look down the wells and it's got those funny signs that you had posted pictures of mm-hmm. adrian so yeah that that's a really fun one i like i've said before on here i, I don't mind waiting in the lines it's <clears throat> they've done a great job with some of the newer ones and refurbing some of the older ones like i said earlier the the mine train line was there's a ton of stuff to look at in there. There's stuff to spin around. There's little games to play, you know, and there's just, there's just lots of things to look at up, down, side to side, you know, and, and like you said, Jessica, about the Indiana Jones thing, they seem to have adapted that theory out here. Cause when you go into like the seas from Nemo, I mean, it's all inside, but I mean, it takes you, seems like it takes you 10 minutes to get to the inside of the ride. Yeah. And the same thing with like, what was the other one? Ariel, the way the mm-hmm. under the sea adventure with Ariel. I mean, it zigzags through the caves and everything, and there's little games you can play there with the with the little crabs and picking up stuff. And Scuttles talking to you and, and Scuttles, yeah, he's yapping yeah. and so well, and, and mine trains the same way. Yeah, exactly. Oh, mine train is the best. I don't know why I didn't think about that one. Yeah, my my kids, man, like going. They have that little the game almost like the video game thing. Yeah, with the They'll gems. Stay- yeah, they'll stay there and play that gym game and then twirling the, the barrels. barrels and even playing with a little water harp. Yep. Um, yeah, that that line is great. That was pretty cool. And the other one that's fun is the – and out – I don't know about the – I know Jessica in your blog that I read it, you had the Space Mountain line. The one out here is is pretty cool too because now they've added like there's a bunch of space games if you're in the standby line and those are a lot of fun. And it's oh, that's funny cool. because people and they have a ton of them. It's like it's almost the length of that whole of the whole standby side because one. Every side time is, I go, I never get to play them though because the line's moving too fast. Well, I, that's what I was just gonna say. Like some people either stand there and play. I've played them a few times, but on a on a busy day, like if you go during you know holiday time, you're definitely playing the games because that line's not moving that yeah. fast. But that's a great one. Another great one that maybe not visually isn't. And I don't know if the one in Disneyland is the same way. Is the Jungle Cruise for the audio part of it? If you listen to the recording of, you know, it's got that old time '30s 
jazz style music but then the announcements in between if you listen to the gags on that thing and the stuff that that announcer is saying it's it's hysterical and there is a lot of sight gags in the line too if you read some of the the menus and and the other signs that are hanging up now i'm not like i said i don't know how the disneyland one is but yeah it doesn't it's not quite as good i don't think because there are a little bit of of gags and music but it's not enough to kind of make you laugh it's just looking at a lot of walls basically okay yeah, the audio loop is great for the for the Jungle Cruise queue area out here. I mean, it's just the little quips that he says are just it's just they're cheesy, but it, they're good. You know, there's just just it makes you chuckle. So, it you know, if you can listen and hear it, if it's not loud in there, it's, you know, it's pretty funny. So, I mean, there's a bunch out here. The Haunted Mansion one is great with the new stuff. If you wander through the cemetery that they put out there, it's all that touch things. They have like the piano you can touch there's books that pop out you push one another yeah. one pops out and you can wave that's what i was gonna say for disney really world cool. yeah that was my favorite line there because the one in disneyland is just miserable because <laughs> it's really tight and you you go through the graveyard but it's it's the graveyards all along the the garden like outside the lion area you don't walk like through the tombstones okay so you're just weaving back and forth as if you were in like a fantasy land ride oh and you're in the sun it's just miserable (laughs) (laughs) well that's i mean that's the biggest difference anybody will say because you know the luxury of of room in walt disney world they all they learned from disneyland all the cues that were everybody stuck outside there yeah most of them are inside as much as they can be here. So, yeah, they've, like I said earlier, they've they've done these interactive cues over the past five, six years for a lot of the classic attractions and pretty much all the newer ones that they've put up. You know, I know Pooh has some stuff in there, but I, I haven't been on that. Is Only... Peter Pan interactive there? Because it's it definitely is. not here. It, it is. It's something with Tinkerbell. I don't know. I didn't... It, that's another one. Like I'd have to do it first thing in the morning because then otherwise it's it's never less than an hour. Right. And like I said, we, we did the fast pass for it, so I don't. I, I've not seen any of the new stuff. I've only heard of what it is. So I think it's something with Tinkerbell where it's the same same technology. I think you can move her around maybe with your hand, kind of like the old Soren ones used to be, where you it's motion activated to do things. But I'm not entirely sure. So don't quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> But, it, yeah, it definitely is some sort of an interactive queue. Yeah, oh, and I was going to say, Disney World. Jeez, you guys are letting me talk too much again. Uh, <laughs> for Expedition Everest, if you ever go in the in the standby line, there is so much stuff to look at in there. I mean, they... <coughs> excuse and... me. They held nothing back in that queue. I mean, Joe Rody must have just brought a truck in there and dumped it out just the artifacts and the yeah the different i mean it's so so cool to look at you can get lost looking at all that stuff in there and there are like six or seven hidden mickeys in that line too that i've never been able to find because i'm terrible at that yeah but so bad at that me too i have the app and everything it gives you like clues i know swear i'm staring straight at it and i have no idea what i'm looking at (laughs) but um That's always something that I try to do, too, especially on the aerial ride, because I just know that all the little seashell prints somewhere, there's got to be a Mickey. But that's how I amuse myself in lines if I have to do standby. I'm always looking (laughs) for Mickeys. Yeah, no, I know. They're out there. Failing miserably, but looking. Yep, definitely. So I think that's one of the beauty of 
of Disney World, right? Like the attraction is what you're going for, but the journey is just as fun sometimes as the destination. All right. Well, I think that's all that we have tonight. As always, we want to encourage you to follow us along on social media. Uh, you can find us, the Diz Explorers, on pretty much anywhere. If you look for at Diz Explorers on Facebook or Instagram or um, Twitter, we are all there. But we also want to give you a chance to follow each of the troop members individually. So I'll go around and let them tell you where to find them. Why don't we start with Milford? You can find my Milford on the blog or Mil- Milford on the blog, Milford on the Move blog at MilfordHutzel.com. I'm also on Facebook, Milford on the Move, and on Twitter, Milford on Move. All right, Jessica? So my blog is DuchessOfDisneyland.com. You can also follow me on Facebook at Duchess of Disneyland, and then Twitter is Duchess Jessica, and then Instagram is the Duchess of Disneyland. RJ? All right, you can find me on the old Facebook at RJ Lucia Jr. and Instagram, Twitter, and Periscope at Black Pearl 454. And you can find me, Adrienne, on my blog at wdwbound.com, on Twitter at wdwbound underscore com, and Facebook at adrienne And of course, don't forget to follow our missing members. Crystal, who had to leave us, is on Twitter at, at Disney Brewing. And Mel is at dclprepschool.com, is her her Disney plan, her cruise planning site, and she is on Twitter and Facebook at DCL Prep School. We want to thank you again for listening. Hope you have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye now.